You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, this is Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Kristen Hull on with us from Themis Nurse Consulting. Thanks so much for being here with us today, Kristen. Thanks, Katie, for having me. Sure, absolutely. So uh, why don't, before we get into what Themis Nurse Consulting is, why don't you give us a little background about you and what kind of nurse you are? Sure. I uh, graduated nursing school back in 2008. Um, worked in cardiac step-down, cardiac ICU for several years. I went to nurse anesthesia school out in California, and I've been working as a CRNA nurse anesthetist for about 10 years now. Awesome. Um, so when did you start the uh, Themis Nurse Consulting? Yeah, so um, I had two children over the last few years and kind of had some bad experiences myself um, in the healthcare system. And so it just got me kind of, you know, doing a deep dive into um, how are patients advocating for themselves and what is there other than, um, you know, just kind of being in a system that's a little unforgiving for mothers and kind of having that work-life balance and flexibility. Um, so really, I just started doing a deep dive. I started calling up people, um, asking them just about kind of different careers. I, I really felt stuck in a sense where I had kind of reached the top of the ladder. I became the CRNA. I had worked my entire career to be that. And then I was kind of like, okay, well, what's next? Um, so anyways, I, you know, I, I went down the route. There's, there's so many options that nurses can kind of turn to. I went towards, um, injections or IV clinics or, um, you know, kind of doing something, not even healthcare altogether, but I, I found myself really interested in this legal nurse consulting, um, arena. So I started talking to as many people as I could. I got active on LinkedIn and, just kind of started teaching myself how to how to do all of these extra things. And really what it is, is a legal nurse consultant is a nurse who works with attorneys um, reviewing medical records. And you can kind of work in both ways. You can work as a consultant solely behind the scenes, just kind of as the person that the attorney is like, hey, what's an IV or where does an NG tube go? Like very basic stuff. Um, and then you can go as far as being an expert witness. And so over the last year, I've kind of started, I, I started as the consultant and now I've kind of veered towards the expert witness because I love anesthesia. I love talking about anesthesia. I love doing anesthesia. Um, and so that it kind of led me that way. So I spend about, you know, half and half of my time doing solely consulting and then expert witness work as well. Okay. And the expert, that, that sounds so intimidating to me. So like, <laughs> tell me a little bit about what it is that you do as an expert witness. Sure. So it, do, it does sound intimidating. It kind of gives you that adrenaline rush that we're used to in the operating room, but in a much uh, safer atmosphere. Um, so basically any medical malpractice case, 
um, attorneys have to have experts review records, whether it's on the plaintiff or the defense side. So the plaintiff is the person that we always say this, like has the complaint, right? So something happened to them. And so you can work on either side. You can work with insurance companies and defense attorneys kind of representing the system and representing um, CRNAs, or you can work on the other side, being the patient advocate and representing um, you know, the patient who has the complaint. Now, with that being said, in medical malpractice cases, there has to be a violation in the standard of care or negligence. So, you know, I'm trying to think of something super egregious, like a, a medication error that led to the death of a patient. So you would read both, you know, you would read the medical records and likely in this case, you would want to serve as the expert witness on the side of the patient who died, because we know that as nurses, patients deserve, you know, um, safe patient uh, medication administration. So you basically have to market yourself. You have to find attorneys um, kind of through word of mouth. LinkedIn, marketing, however, you know, personal connections, however you can kind of get introduced to those medical malpractice attorneys. Um, and then the bill, the business just kind of builds itself on top of that. Referrals, um, doing a good job at what you're doing. Um, and so the, the start of it is reviewing the records and essentially creating a report saying where the negligence was failure to meet the standard of care as evidenced by X, Y, and Z. Um, and then whoever the, the attorney you're working for, the opposite side, the opposing counsel will then depose you. And so they will ask you questions about your report. And depending on um, if the case is going to settle and, you know, these cases happen um, over years. So it takes years to kind of develop all of these expert witnesses and reports. Um, and if there's no agreement or a settlement, then you're expected to um, go to the trial and you would have to testify in front of a jury as well. Have you done that? I have not had to go to trial. You know, I, I'm friends with a defense attorney and he actually said probably 95% of his cases, if not 99% are settling before trial. You know, things have been really different since COVID. Healthcare professionals are, you know, in the public eye deemed as heroes. And a lot of times insurance companies and, and everybody just wants everything to be settled before having to go to you know a week or two trial. So I haven't had to do that yet. And I'm sure a trial would be much more intimidating than a deposition. <laughs> uh, so now do you, do you have to belong to either one side or the other? Can you go back and forth, like represent patients and represent the system and Yes, you absolutely can. Um, I don't like to just pick a side. I like to represent the side where, um, you know, there either was a breach in the standard of care or there wasn't. You know, you review a record and you say, no, I would have done exactly what that CRNA did. That happens every single day. And there's, there's no, um, you know, negligence here. And so attorneys have to hear that too. Um, so it's not even really that you're picking sides. You're basically just saying, you know, as an expert, you are more educated than the layman. And you basically say, 
a reasonable nurse in this situation would have done this. And if it matches up with what they did, then really there's not, there's not much of a case. Okay. So let, let's say the defense hires you as an expert witness and you come in and read and you're like, yeah, you know, actually there was a problem here. How does that go? Right. <laughs> um, you would choose not to uh, work with them then if, if you felt strongly that, um, there was, there was something wrong or vice versa, there wasn't something wrong, you're not gonna, um, you're not gonna be sworn in and lie under oath and say. <laughs> um, and, and I think that even in this field, um, there's really, really strict rules about how much clinical work you have to still be doing or teaching work and um, what the legal system wants to make sure is that people are not being expert expert witnesses, if that makes sense, or like a professional expert witness where you're kind of being trained to say what you should say rather than saying what is actually clinically relevant. And so I think that's important because um, attorneys will ask you, you know, how many times have you been deposed and how many times have you worked with this attorney? And, you know, are you still working clinically? And that's kind of when it comes out where it's like, oh no, this person hasn't worked clinically for 15 years. Um, so you have to balance that uh, still working clinically, which I'm doing, and then the, um, you know, making sure that you're not the professional expert and kind of being groomed to say what you want to say. You have to actually say what's what's truthful. Well, I, I, there's uh, there's certainly some merit to that, though, from a business model that makes it hard when you can't just work with the same attorney over and over again. <laughs> It does. And so it, it does take a lot of, takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of marketing. I, I have probably in the last year sent out, I don't know, 10,000 emails and I get almost 99% unanswered or no's. <laughs> and then it's that 1% of the connections that you make. So it just takes a little extra grit, a little extra dedication to kind of say, um, okay, well, I want this, I want this to work. So I have to, I have to keep going, but it definitely doesn't build itself overnight. It is a way to dial your hours back from the bedside, but I wouldn't expect to step into the role and completely replace all of my hours. Um, and I didn't want to do that to begin with. I just kind of wanted to be able to work from home a couple days a week and be able to work in the hospital a couple days a week. Um, so it worked nicely for me. And there's, there's also times where attorneys are very busy in the fall, um, in the spring, you know, summer and holiday months are maybe a little slower. And so your case is kind of, um, wax and wane and it's important in the waning months that you don't just throw in the towel and say, okay, this is too hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I do want to appreciate um, and call out what you just said about sending out emails, like sending out 10,000 emails, because I we do have people that uh, will come to us and say they, they tried marketing, it doesn't work, uh, or they sent out 20 emails and nobody responded. And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, 20 a day, 20 an hour, <laughs> like how many are you sending? Because <laughs> yeah. um, it is real persistence, like that is business. It, and that, I, you know, I feel like nurses don't really, we don't get that education in nursing school. We don't get a lot of um, business sense or finance sense. I am lucky enough that my husband is um, 
the founder of a startup. <laughs> and so he had a lot of business sense that, you know, he kind of taught me and we, we learned how to build a website and just kind of things that nurses don't really know how to do. And I was with you. I'm like, oh, I should just be able to send out about 10 emails this week. And then finally, after some courses I had taken, there were girls that were like, no, you're going to send about 500 emails a week and you may get one or two people who will respond to you and maybe take a phone call and learn the services you have to offer. Um, I think the important thing is you have to be able to speak in benefit, obviously, to mm -hmm. attorneys or anyone that you're talking to. Like, how can we make this a collaboration? How can I help you and you help me? Um, and yeah, it's just that that doesn't come naturally to kind of talk about, you know, what you do and what you're good at. But when I had to sit back and look at it, I'm like, okay, I've been a nurse for 15 years. Surely I know more about healthcare than any attorney that I'm going to talk to. And I have the ability to provide insight of these medical records from a place that they don't know because they've never worked in a hospital. And so when you kind of look at it that way, you realize how valuable you are. And a lot of times they can't do these cases without you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if they're asking you where the NG tube goes. <laughs> <laughs> that was an example that someone gave me and they're like, this guy, he literally didn't even know like where it was or where it went. And so that's when you realize that a lot of it is just basic nursing stuff. You're like, no, that's just not normal to do this. This is what we actually do. And that's just stuff that you do every single shift. And so you have the value and experience and you just have to find people who will um, listen to you, I guess. So do, um, when did you get, um, how long after did you launch the business that you got your first attorney to work with you? So it took about two and a half weeks to get my first, student, which I thought was, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Um, I've, you know, I know the world of cold emails has definitely changed since COVID because a lot of people were working from home. A lot of people kind of shifted that face-to-face -face interaction and they were doing a lot of emails. So you know how much spam you get every day. So I think it's very easy to delete these emails and kind of, you know, unsubscribe and all these things. Um, and there's different ways to market yourself. You know, you can use any of the search engines, MailChimp, whatever, to kind of make your life easier to be able to send out that quantity. Um, but yeah, it was two and a half weeks. And so the other aspect of the business is just consulting. And so I have a couple of nurses that I use as subcontractors and I'll just get random personal injury cases with, you know, someone who's been in a car accident and it's 10,000 pages, it's physical therapy, occupational therapy, and really attorneys just need that to kind of be summarized and put in order. And so, um, Originally, when I started, I, of course, was doing that myself. And then as I've kind of built the business, I'm able to take those cases and, um, you know, subcontract with another nurse who also does legal nurse consulting. So they'll knock that out for me. And then I can spend my time doing expert witness stuff with, you know, anesthesia cases and airway cases and my depositions and stuff like that. Yeah, so I used to work with this neurosurgeon, and he did legal cases. Uh, he would consult on them, and he's like, "Oh, you should you should help me out." So he would. Uh, he's like, 
uh, I'll pay you, I don't know, like 150 bucks an hour and yeah. you just do whatever. And he was probably getting a thousand bucks an hour, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it was no big deal for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I would go down to his office and there would literally be like eight boxes of, of stuff. And I was like, I did it like two or three times and I'm like, you know what, this is just is not for me. Like, how do you keep yourself organized <laughs> with all that paperwork and organization? Right. So a long time ago, I guess um, there were boxes of things that got mailed. So now everything is electronically scanned. And so the documents are just sent through, you know, Dropbox or any sort of um, place that kind of organizes uh, files that are that big. And the best way you can do it is, you know, there's also certain programs that you can open PDFs in. I use Adobe and you can make the whole medical record um, searchable. And so it kind of does like a scan. So then you can just type in keywords or, you know, the day that the patient died was, you know, January 1st, 2019. And so you can go in and just search that day. And then you kind of build your case around that day. So attorneys don't want every, you know, if they wanted a, a report that was 200 pages long, they would just keep all the medical records. What they want is a concise report. So you're putting the big things in. You're not putting like the chaplain came to see the patient or, <laughs> you know, like things that don't matter. You're putting like the really important stuff. Like this is the day he received potassium too fast and coded. And, um, and then you kind of build your case around that. And a lot of what you're doing too is kind of thinking on the flip side. So you're thinking about, well, what would the defense say or what would the plaintiff say? And then you kind of build your case from there because you think, what's the rebuttal to this? What do we actually do? What should have happened? Um, and so you kind of just play detective. And if there's a certain nurse that I'm looking after or a certain doctor, I'll just type their name in the document and I'll go through every you know, nurse's note or every doctor's note or vital signs or whatever it is. And you build your case that way. But the amount of pages are very daunting. I will admit <laughs> that. that. You're just like, how am I supposed to go through all this? And, and that's how we even tell our attorneys, I'm not charging you for 10,000 pages. I'm charging you for the relevant pages that I actually review. And so that kind of helps mitigate costs for them as well. Um, and mitigate time because you don't want to spend 100 hours going through all these boxes of irrelevant, you know, right. I imagine if you spend a hundred hours doing that too, and the attorney got your bill, he might not call you again. <laughs> he, <wouldn't. laughs> he absolutely wouldn't. And that's why it's important to know, you know, I always like to give, I give estimates, I give quotes. And even if I go over, I would never go over my time without talking to my attorney. But if I know I need like one or two more hours, I'm just going to do it, right? Because my estimate was wrong. So I'm going to do it and eat that cost because the idea of business, right, is to deliver a product that someone's happy with and have a trusting relationship where they're going to come back and want to work with you, not just try to squeeze out a couple extra hours and surprise someone. So you do have to be cognizant of your time, cognizant of your estimates and know kind of how to run the business where you're getting repeat business and referrals and, and happy clients. Yeah, no, that, that, that's definitely a big deal. Um, so you are, you, you were self-taught, you didn't take any courses. I mean, how did you figure this stuff out? There are a bunch of different um, 
there are a bunch of different courses you can take. I think that the main governing body of legal nurse consultants is the AALNC, and they do certifications and online courses. And from what I've gathered, that seems to pretty much be the gold standard. They do um, annual forums and webinars and things where, you know, they'll have uh, legal nurse consultants um, come on and just kind of do teaching. And I find that that is the easiest way to do it. There are some very expensive programs that kind of take a lot of time. I don't know a lot of bedside nurses who can take two weeks off to kind of go through an intensive program, you know, so you could come home and you could take a couple of online courses and just kind of get your feet wet and see what it's about before having to put a big investment. And that's what I've been recommended to do. Um, and I find that that's helpful. Yeah, because I mean, because some of these courses are very expensive uh, programs, you know, I've seen them 10, 20, $30,000 for a legal nurse consultant. Um, and I mean, is the, the money there to be made in legal nurse consulting? Could you break even with that fairly quickly if you were really persistent? Yes, you definitely could. That was my ultimate goal was like, let me just break even with what I've paid. Um, there's even colleges that offer. I know Duke offers a program. You can go for like a week or two. But again, it's that that ability to have the time off. And I know so many people in healthcare right now, I mean, you're getting denied PTO. You have to request things, you know, a year, year and a half in advance. There's not a lot of flexibility to say, I'm going to take the last week in July off. And they're like, no, you're not. Um, but 2025, still no, you can't do it. <laughs> right. No, even if you tell them you're going to do it in 2025, you still can't do it. Um, so I think, you know, there's something to be said about having that flexibility and say, oh, I'm just going to take one course when I get home from my shift tonight. And um, then you can do as many courses as you want. You can actually even get certified. I'm not sure the percentage of, you're not required to be certified. Um, I am not sure how the percentage of how many legal nurse consultants that are working that are certified, but I think that also is the gold standard would be to have a certification, <clears throat> know enough about the law, um, in personal injury and medical malpractice cases because you have to know where the liability is and causation and damages and all those types of things. And you learn that jargon when you take these classes. Right. So, um, and you're, you're happy doing, um, are you doing per diem uh, CRNA work at this point? I am. Okay. And then that keeps your foot in the door with clinical and uh, relevance in the legal field as well. Exactly. Okay. And it just helps me... <clears throat> excuse me, it helps me to be a better mom. <laughs> it gives me the flexibility I need that if, you know, I sign up to work a couple shifts that week, I can even do it the day before. And so when the kids get a stomach bug or strep, it kind of gives me that flexibility to say, no, I'm going to work on cases on Monday and Tuesday, and then I'll go to the hospital Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever. Um, so it just makes it a little more manageable to be a normal person, which we don't get to do a lot. In <laughs> uh, so, so how many subcontractors do you have working with you? It depends. Um, at any given time, two or three, you know, in busier months, it can be five, six, seven, um, just kind of depends. There may be a month where you bring in 10 cases and you bring 10 girls in, and then there may be a slow month where you bring in zero cases 
cases or one case. Right. Um, so that's kind of the, the roller coaster that you have to get comfortable with. Some people who subcontract don't want to do the business aspect. So they just want to say, listen, I just want to get rid of one shift a week or one shift a month and whatever cases you have, just send my way. And they do a great job. Um, and then there's some subcontractors who aren't pulling in as many cases as they want. And so then they will subcontract to just kind of supplement their income. Hey, where do you find them? There are, there are a bunch of um, legal nurse consultants on LinkedIn. There's some Facebook groups. So you kind of just put your feelers out there. Um, the last two I worked with, I reached out in a Facebook forum. They sent me their CVs. I talked to a couple of them on the phone. And my big thing is, um, you know, I'm, I'm a cardiothoracic ICU trained nurse before um, CRNA school. And so I wanted people who had ICU experience because those were the type of cases we were reviewing. And so that was important to me. And so the two girls I used had like nine or 10 years experience working in an ICU and, and they both did a fantastic job. They were very attentive, very thorough um, and got it done very quickly. So I think it kind of just depends um, what case you're working on. Yeah. Is it hard to tell um, during an interview or a phone if they're going to be any good? <laughs> I mean, is it like that interview process is it's so hard? You can kind of tell even the way someone emails you or the way someone talks to you on the phone, you kind of know like, okay, this person's a go-getter. There was one person I used that I didn't love. I mean, she still did a great job and she was thorough, but um, we were kind of missing that critical analysis of the chart. It was kind of very surface. And so I, um, I wouldn't use her again, but that doesn't mean that, you know, she wouldn't do a great job on another case. You just, you kind of know who, and ultimately I'm turning it in under my name, right. my company. And so I'm still very hands-on, like I'll do the comment section and I read everything before I turn it in. So it's just important for it. You know, it's a professional piece of work. You don't want misspellings. You don't want grammatical errors. You want that thorough analysis of what actually happened um, in the medical record. And so, um, yeah, it takes a, it takes a special person to be able to do that. And you, and you yes, realize. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was not that special person because I am not detail oriented at all. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, I need somebody to go through my work. <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing this for the surgeon and I need someone to do it for me. The subcontractor uh, who needs a subcontractor. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what is kind of your big vision for this? Or, I mean, are you, you're happy with the way it is right now or did you want to expand or what is, what are your reviews for the future in this business? Yeah. I, uh, I think originally when I sat down and told my husband, this is what I was going to do. I had I had very big plans of fast growth and <laughs> multi-million dollar, all this stuff. Um, they're actually- That's in, really overrated. <laughs> so there's there's a legal nurse consultant. Her name's Pat Iyer. She like- yeah, I know her. The, the queen of everything I've reported right. on her podcast as well. But when she sold her company, she they had seven figures in the bank and she sold it to a, a business minded person. And, you know, they were then able to keep the, the clients and, you know, she built that over like 30 years. So I think slow and steady wins the race. I would love to build something where, um, 
I could spend as much time with my family, but still had all those cases coming in and had subcontractors working for me. So I think just more consistency, more growth, and just kind of see where it takes me. I love it. Um, if people are interested in learning more about uh, your business and you, or maybe even need your services, where can they go? They, I have a website, www.themis, T-H-E-M-I-S, nurseconsulting.com. And um, I'm on LinkedIn, Kristen Hull. You can shoot me a message. Um, my email is probably the best way to reach me. So it's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N at themisnurseconsulting.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing this with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.